people have compared this election now in 2011 to the 1918 election, the end of one political movement in 1918, the Parliamentary Party, is this the end of another political movement in Fianna Fáil? Well, I think that Fianna Fáil have survived a little more intact in some ways than the Home Rule Party did. Because in 1918, you not only saw a fairly devastating electoral defeat, which was made worse by the first past the post system. If it had been PR in 1918, you know, the Home Rule Party would have won more seats because they won, you know, a substantial number of votes um, across the country. But their passing was also marked by the fact that there was an attempt to set up an independent parliament and to break away from the British Empire. So it prefigured a guerrilla struggle, which I think puts a very different complexion on the current events even though it, it could be argued justifiably that we are grappling again with questions of sovereignty. Um, it's not the case, I think, that we are looking at the setting up of, of an, a completely new parliament, an attempt to break away that's going to involve an armed struggle. So I think that there is a difference in terms of the historical drama and, and in some senses the historical importance. But it is, I think, you know, certainly the most significant election since the, the, the 1930s in terms of beginning of the end of one political movement and possibly the emergence of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go back to the founding of Fianna Fáil. Fianna Fáil were founded in 1926. Now, most people will know that they came out of the wreckage of the anti-treaty side of the civil war. Uh, can you say what, why Fianna Fáil was founded and what do you think they hoped to achieve at the outset? Well, they were founded really because the anti-treaty Republican movement had substantial popular support. That hadn't been really apparent at the beginning of the Civil War. There was a lot of confusion and a lot of fear. But after the Civil War, anti-treaty Sinn Féin won uh, 44 seats. And that was remarkable given that at least 10,000 of their supporters were in prison. And it was difficult to canvass openly in, in that election in 1923. De Valera was arrested during that election, for example. There was still a great deal of disorder uh, in the state. But the fact was that a base existed for rejection of the treaty and support for this party. And very quickly, De Valera and a number of others realised that if they were to build on that, they would have to think about changing core anti-treaty policies. The anti-treatyites rejected Leinster House, saw it simply as a puppet British Parliament. They refused to countenance um, anything that involved compromise with it. De Valera and Lamas, Sean Lamas and others realised that there would have to be some changes there. So partly Fianna Fáil was formed to give a voice, a practical political voice to those people. Because Sinn Féin support had started to decline between 1923 and 1926, when it was apparent that they would refuse to take their seats, for example, less people voted for them. And I think they were worried that in the longer run, if they stayed outside <coughs> conventional politics, they'd become more and more irrelevant. So it was founded to give a voice to that element of the anti-treatyite uh, uh, movement. It was also founded broadly on the core Sinn Féin ideas of sovereignty, of economic self-sufficiency. Early on, Fianna Fáil commits itself to reviving the Irish language, it's opposed to partition. Also reflects, to some extent, the social radicalism and certainly opposition to Cumann and Gael's conservatism in that a desire to bring the resources of the nation under the control of the people. In contrast to Cumann and Gael, quite prepared to countenance state and semi-state control over certain industries to increase social 
example, in the 1920s in order to make life better. In terms of rural policies, talk about the need to break up the ranches, to give land to the landless men and to divide up land among the small farmers and to switch from complete dependence on cattle and grazing towards tillage. And again here, there would be a sharp break with Cumann and Gales policy, which depended very heavily on on cattle for export to the British market. Uh So um, we can say the Fianna Fáil at the start was like the party of the little man. Um, Why was it so successful? I mean, sometimes I compare it to Mexico. You know, Mexico had a revolution in around the same time and they had one party in government until the 1990s. I think it's the only other example of such a successful party. Why was Fianna Fáil so successful? Well, uh, it could be having a good name, and the Mexican one is the party of institutionalised revolution, isn't it? Fantastic name. Fianna Fáil the soldiers of destiny. Um, there are some similarities with populist parties in other countries, and what's interesting is that in 1926, when De Valera is, is talking to Joseph McGarrity in the United States about the necessity of setting up a new political movement, he says to McGarrity that if, if the free state re- remains in existence and isn't opposed politically over the next few years, You'll have the national interests submerged in the clashing of rival economic groups such as farmers and labourers. De Valera is quite aware that there is potential for other political movements to represent the little man. And the fact is that the Labour Party, for example, had done very well in 1922, doesn't do as well in 1923, but it retained you know, a substantial enough base in different parts of Ireland at the time. And De Valera is aware that you know there is the potential for class-based social radical movements to evolve. He wants to head that off to some extent and certainly place Fianna Fáil in that position. So when you talk about the little man, what's interesting is that people like Todd Andrews you know, can talk about name books after the men of no property. Fianna Fáil aren't socialists. Uh, they don't explicitly organise along class lines, but they do want to give voice to sections of the population, such as rural labourers, small farmers, uh, the urban working class, but also the lower middle class, also small businessmen who would benefit from self-sufficiency and protectionism. And are there from a very early stage, they're able to represent a reasonably broad range of people in a populist way, people who are receptive to the rhetoric of standing up for the little man, but are careful that they're not actually socialists. They're not organising on explicitly class lines. And in later years, Fianna Fáil, of course, would have argued that talk about class was actually a foreign importation and that an Irish national movement like Fianna Fáil wouldn't have any need to do things like that. And of course, they're also clear, even though they go beyond the anti-treaty base relatively quickly, that remains an important part of their makeup, that they do reject um, the, the, this, you know, rhetorically at least, this uh, defeat of the of, of, of republicanism in 1922, that they do stand for the republic, they do stand in that tradition. Fianna Fáil, supposedly the Republican Party, I mean, in terms of the remaining Republican objective after the 1930s and after, say, 1947 and the declaration of the Republic of Ireland, I mean, the remaining Republican objective was the unification of Ireland. Would it be fair to say, or would it be too cynical, that Fianna Fáil didn't ever really do much to do that? I think it would be fair to say that Fianna Fáil came up uh, against a reality relatively early on and just decided not to talk about it. That was that for a majority of Southerners, the national question was solved from the British left. Um, while partition remained an issue in politics that could interfere in various ways with the body 
politic down here. For most people, the departure of the British in 1921-1922 was for them the arrival of independence. Now the, the overhang of that, the things that people found disquieting about the treaty, the oath of allegiance, the governor generalship, British hanging on to the treaty ports, were eventually dispensed with by Fianna Fáil. And for a lot of Fianna Fáil's base, that was enough. They wanted to hear the rhetoric about the Fort Greenfield. They wanted to believe that something would be done about the condition of nationalists in the North. But in reality, like the rest of the Southern political establishment, relatively quickly, I think, de Valera realised that that was going to be a job that was beyond even his political skills. So the North was something to be talked about occasionally, sometimes to be used as a stick to beat Come in the Gale or Fine Gale with. Um, but I don't think they seriously thought they were going to end partition after the late 1930s. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing that people talk about a lot with Fianna Fáil and blame them for is protectionism. And what Fianna Fáil tried to do was to build up uh, Irish domestic industry through subsidies and, and tariffs and stuff. Uh, people talk about that now as being a terrible failure. Would you go along with that? Or would you see some positives to it? I think there's absolutely nothing wrong and nothing unusual about the desire of a nationalist movement to build up native industry, exploit the resources of the nation as they have seen it to the benefit of the nation's people. And in the 1930s, one of the reasons why Fianna Fáil were successful in building up a popular base that went beyond disputes about the treaty was because they did create employment in state, semi-state police. They did develop uh, native industry to some extent. They were also able to form a relationship with organised labour because of a number of, of reforms and benefits that they, they they brought in in the 1930s. There was also the, the uh, housing programme, which was a great success in terms of, if you compare it was one area where De Valera was ahead of Northern Ireland, for example, in terms of the building of public housing. So there were real gains for a lot of people during that era of the 1930s and 1940s. And if it was eventually a failure, I don't think it was doomed to failure, and I don't think there was any great mystery about why De Valera wanted to attempt it. In terms of modern Irish history, La Masse is always held up as the, you know, the antithesis of this De Valera view, even though La Masse went along with it for quite a long time. Yeah. But in terms of an attempt to build up an independent economic policy and also to build up a political movement, there I don't think there was anything strange about uh, De Valera's protectionism at all.